on today's episode of Locked On Canucks, who are some potential sandpaper players the Canucks can go after in free agency? Also, is it smart to trade down from the 15th overall pick? And of course, it is another day, another episode of our greatest Canucks series featuring the greatest goalie in Canucks history. It's Locked On Canucks on a Friday, May the 20th, and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. As you can see, I left the overlay screen on. Welcome to Locked On Canucks today, Friday, May the 20th of a long weekend. I hope you all have a wonderful long weekend. Hopefully the weather holds up and it's just a relaxing time. I kind of consider the May long weekend the gateway, the entry point into summer, which means more nicer weather, intensified playoff hockey, and of course, heightened rumors about the NHL draft and NHL free agency. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the first part of this show. Talk about who the Canucks could potentially go after to add some sandpaper, as Jim Rutherford said, they needed on their bottom six. And also, is it smart for the Canucks to stay at 15, trade up, or trade down? I will discuss all of that. But first, I want to thank you guys all for making Locked on Canucks your first listen of the day. We are free and available, of course, wherever you get your podcast services. Also, I want to apologize for not posting yesterday. Um, I was... As many of you don't know, I actually have, I'm finishing up my journalism program and we had a 4 a.m. radio show this morning. So, and I had late class last night around nine. So I tried to get as much sleep as I could to wake up at 4 a.m. And it kind of worked out. But as most of those people that know me, uh, I'm a night owl. Uh, I love staying up. I'm, even though I'm on the East Coast, I'm still on West Coast time. I still try to stay up late. Um, so that's that. But let's just dive right into um, what, the Canucks should do about sandpaper, adding sandpaper. Now, what you might be asking, what is sandpaper? Well, sandpaper is a very formal tool you use when you're constructing, but it also means grit. And you know, the Canucks even more bite on their lower third, uh, their lower, not lower third, their bottom six fours. And as Jim Rutherford said, it's a different game out west um, that you need to play a bit more of a heavier game, a more of a grittier game. Um, and the Canucks did have a guy like that. Uh, in Tyler Mott, but they traded him away for a third-round pick. So Jim Rutherford, Patrick, I've been looking to replace um, that sandpaper come this offseason. Um, and the first guy is Nick Paul, the guy who scored two goals in Game 7 against the Tampa, for the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Toronto Maple Leafs, helping them advance to the second round, where they're looking more and more like the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, just absolutely clinical against the the President's Trophy winners, excuse me, Florida Panthers in the Battle of Florida. But um, I like Nick Paul's game. He's got speed. He's twenty. He's still only 27, so he's in that prime age, that sweet spot. Um, and he is a playoff player, as we can see. He is able to play that playoff-style game, that heavy game. He's six foot three, 225. And he's also, you know, when he gets on the four-check, he finished with 106 hits, which would actually put him in second place amongst the Canucks and already has 27 in nine playoff games. He kills penalties. He averages about two, about a little bit over two minutes a game um, of shorthanded ice time. And he's 50% on the faceoffs. And he scored 16 goals this year. 
that's you know that right there could be a solid mid six guy you know potential second liner if you know injury happens and whatnot um or a solid line but here's the question is tampa's run continues in the playoffs the price for Nick Paul increases and increases and increases. Um, and we all know the Canucks don't have the best cap situation. And Nick Paul might be looking at a contract with term, which if it was Jim Benning, he probably would get, but I don't think he'll get that with um, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. So um, although I love Nick Paul's game, I think he'd be a great fit. Um, if this playoff run continues for the lightning and um he continues to play an integral part. I think you're going to see him price himself out of uh, the Canucks range. The next guy is Michael Raffle. Michael Raffle, of course, uh, is the Austrian guy. He's a bit on the older size, 33, but he still has some game. He's six foot one, 205. He's known as more of a defensive player rather than a goal scorer. Um, 141 hits in 76 games. That was just outside the top 50, um, just right behind guys like Jamie Benn. Um, he could kill penalties, provide energy on the bottom six. Uh, he only scored seven goals at 16 points. He does have a 20-goal resume, so there is that scoring prowess there. Um, again, I see Michael Raffle probably being more of the likely guy because he's going to be on the, the inexpensive, on the cheap. Um, again, who he's, again, 33, so he's up there in age. You're probably looking at a one- to two-year deal for him. At about a million, a million. So that's where I see Michael Raffle seems like more logical um, pick for the Canucks to move forward with. Um, uh, with that sandpaper role. Uh, he is a bit older. And like I said, Nick Paul um, is going to be, again, if he continues, this might be a bit of one. Nick Paul would be the best um, option, in my opinion. Or, um, but I think he's going to price himself out. And Michael Raffle, although he's older, would be a nice fit for some sandpaper. The last guy uh, is also in the playoffs right now is um, Vincent Trocek. Of course, we all know uh, he was a prolific goal scorer for a couple of years in Florida, had a 30-goal season, kind of had a downturn. Now he's in Carolina, turning his season around. He has, you know, he scored 21 goals this year um, for a Hurricanes team that is very deep. Um, and although he's not, you know, a physical player, he plays kind of that a gritty, uh, high-energy game and can score. Um, Although I'd love to see Trocek on the Canucks, I again think similar to Nick Paul. Um, differently, though, I think Trocek's already in the high end of the Canucks budget, and I don't think they would be able to afford him anyway. Um, whereas Nick Paul, I could see moving his way up, working his way up out of Canucks range. Um, I'd love to see Trocek on the Canucks. I think that would be a great fit for the bottom six or even the second or third line. Um, I would love Trocek's game. I think he's got you know high energy, could score as a scoring prowess, is kind of what the Canucks need. Um, but again, the dollars, the Canucks don't have the money or the funds to, uh, sign Vincent Trocek. So those are just some three guys that kind of, I've seen online. I've been talked about, um, that the Canucks go after in free agency. So I just want to give my thoughts on, um, those three players. Again, I think Nick Paul would be the best. The youngest, uh, has Stanley cup playoff experience with Tampa Bay, potentially has the chance of going on a long run. Um, but could be playing himself out of the Canucks price range. Michael Raffle, I think he's the more likely one because he's going to come on a more inexpensive term and a lesser D and a lesser AAV. And then of course, Trocek, who I think would be the perfect fit, but I think perfect fit would be, he's cost a lot of money. And of course the Canucks have other concerns as well, such as Brock Besser um, and JT Miller and Bo Horvat, as we all know, but leaving free agency before free agency, there's the NHL draft in Montreal. 
And of course, the Canucks have the 15th overall pick. And look, the way I see it, in a 32 um, 32 team draft, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're kind of in that mid range. Um, you're at the low end of getting a high end prospect. Chances are you're not going to get a guy who's an immediate impact. So if I'm in that spot, that kind of no man's land, I'm going to trade down. I'm going to trade the pick down. Um, and I'm going to try to acquire more and more assets. And the Canucks have that option. You could trade with Montreal, who I believe has the 29th overall pick. Excuse me. Yeah, Montreal has the 29th overall pick in the draft. And if you can acquire that and a second round pick, um, I think that's a win-win situation, right? Um, you also have Arizona, who's at the 30 spot. Um, so I definitely feel that that would be... Yeah, so Canucks... Yeah, Montreal's got the 20th overall pick, and they also have the 33rd overall pick. So the Canucks could, you know, work that 15th pick, give it to Montreal, get the 29th pick, and the 33rd overall pick. That would be very, very impressive, in my personal opinion. I think that that would, you know, not only get you... It would get you two guys that could be, you know, potentially first-round graded prospects, at the 33rd position and the 29th overall position, um, and get you some good value, right? And then you'd also get more lottery tickets, Another option would be you could go with Arizona, who has the 30th pick and the 32nd. We know Arizona is tanking. They're going to be playing in a 5,000-seat um, arena. And this would give um, the Coyotes another chance to upgrade their prospect pool. So um, I think if I'm the Canucks, if I'm Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, I take a book out of certain teams in the NFL. You trade down. You trade that pick down. You acquire more picks, more pieces. It helps you build your entire roster. Now, it's not the NFL where uh, rookies tend to start right away, but the more lot, the more prospects you have, the more ability you have to, you know, fill that pool um, is better. Like again, the 15th overall pick in this draft, from what I've been reading, the top 10 is kind of secured, but after that, it's kind of a crapshoot, which it generally is in any draft, right? Um, you don't know what you're going to get, so. If I'm able to trade down and acquire more assets, I'm going to jump at that at any point. And I feel that that would be the smart move by the Vancouver Canucks. And I think Jim Rutherford and Patrick Levine are smart enough to understand that. And I see the Canucks trading down. I don't see them trading up because, again, you're going to have to give up more assets. And the Canucks uh, already kind of asset and cap strapped, excuse me. Um, so I don't see that happening. But... Um, what it will be interesting is to see, you know, the movers, unless JC Miller's name becomes more and more involved and they can package him with the 15th overall pick and thing else to acquire, you know, a top five pick, um, which I don't think fits in the time plan of the Canucks anyway. I think um, the Canucks are going to go for their core is, you know, at that certain age now where you want to add to that same age group. So I don't foresee that happening. So basically my takeaway from this is the draft, the Canucks need to trade down acquire a second round pick, acquire a late round first pick. You still get your first round pick. You still get, and then you get a second round pick. So then you can build your prospect pool and build it up. And we all know come deadline time, if you want to acquire, you know, a player or come off season time, we want to acquire another impact player. You can never have enough picks and prospects to give away because teams love that. So I think that would be the smart decision to make. I'm not the GM. If I was, this team would never be in this situation anyway, but I digress. So Jim Rudder for Patrick Alvin, if you're listening, uh, give me a call. I can I can help out potentially. So um, definitely. But coming up after this break, we're going to dive into our biggest segment of today's show, the greatest Canucks series of all time, where we're going to talk about the greatest goalie in Canucks history, the man 
who loved to get his tires pumped, the man who won a gold medal on home soil, the man who was uh, one win away from winning a Stanley Cup, uh, the man who said his contract sucked, um, but he never did. Um, and that, my friends, is Roberto Luongo. So coming up, we're going to talk about Roberto Luongo. But first, I want to talk to you guys about built. I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while making the brownies. Imagine you could lick the brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You're in luck because built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now on built.com. Have you ever tried the Built Puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right. Delicious flavored cho- delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate with 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All Built Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to built.com to get brownie batter puffs. Now, again, go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at built.com. Okay, today we are going to talk about Bobby Lou, Lou, Roberto Luongo as we continue. And I get talked about Kessler, talked about Biaxa, talked about Burroughs, talked about Luongo. There's only a couple more people we left, you know. So um, the way I see it, Roberto Luongo's tenure is he was the greatest goalie in Vancouver Canucks history. He was the first goalie. The first goalie in Canucks history who, in my time, so you have to think, I grew up in the era with Dan Kluge, Alex Ald, Johan Hedberg, right? Um, not the best. Seeing Roberto Luongo come in, a guy who had pedigree before um, he came, come in and make an immediate impact. Won 47 games his first game in Vancouver. Should have won the Vesna Trophy that year, in my personal opinion. Should have had Hart Trophy nominations. The guy was the MVP uh, for the Vancouver Canucks in his first season. Of course, he was traded prior to the 06-07 season to Vancouver uh, for Luke, Luke, with Lucas Krychek, who we all was there for a cup of tea. Left. For, of course, Todd Bertuzzi, another former Canuck. We talked about the greatest Canucks series. Brian Allen and the aforementioned Aldi the Baldi. Uh, Luongo... Uh, signed a four-year, $27 million deal. Um, but he's also surprised that he was going to get traded to the Canucks. Um, and, you know, the, the seven, you think what, after Kirk McLean left, that whole era, it was a goalie graveyard Vancouver was known as. Uh, Brian Burke coined the term. Um, and Luongo came in and solidified that position. He became an all-star. Um, he was, you know, unbelievable. He made the playoffs for the first time. He stopped 72 shots. Everybody's going off of what Jake Ottinger. Luongo made seven, stopped 72 shots in a triple, a quadruple overtime game, excuse me, uh, against Dallas in that epic first round series uh, where he was the Canucks' best player. Of course, they won that game, that series in seven games, and they would go on to face Anaheim, where the infamous bathroom incident at the Honda Center took place, where 
who knows what Luongo ate and Danny Sabrin. Yes, Danny Sabrin came in and they when they panned up to Dave Donis in the in the box, he had an utter look of despair and shock that what the hell is Danny Sabrin doing in here? Where is my guy Roberto Luongo? Um and eventually Luongo came back in and the Canucks lost that game. Um <clears throat> which was difficult. But uh, I digress. Then after the 07-08 season, uh, Luongo was named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. I'm sure we all remember that. Uh, he um, never wore a C on the jersey, even though they petitioned it to him. But he was officially named the captain because um, league rules forget, forbid goalies from being the captain. But he was the only the seventh goalie in NHL history to be named captain of a team. The first was Bill Duncan in for the Montreal Canes in 1947-48. Um, he didn't perform, but he didn't obviously didn't take any, um, you know, face-offs or anything like that. But uh, he, uh, you know, he was the captain of the team. They, you know, that was the beginning of that run. That 08-09 year was the beginning of the run the Canucks went on for that those three four years where um, they, um, you know, they became, they blew up, right? And then after that year was the year he signed the contract, the infamous contract. Uh, right before training camp, they signed Luongo to a 12-year, $64 million contract, which was, of course, one of those front-loaded deals that we all remember. Um, and who knew that that would come back and bite the Canucks in the ass so badly and become such a, <coughs> a sticking point and a monumentous contract in Vancouver sports history. Because after he signed that deal, you know, he continued on to the rivalry with Chicago. Of course, Chicago had the best of Vancouver in those years. Um, and then they were on that magical run in 2011 where, you know, they had Corey Schneider. I remember the long got pulled um, in 2011 uh, for in game five. And then game six, Corey Schneider started and then got hurt. And then the Longo came back in and they lost in game six in Chicago, the United States. Then they came back game seven against Chicago. First round, all the pressure in the world. And unlike the Leafs, they came through with it. Alex Burrow's dragging started goal, and they went on their way, where they went to the Cup Finals eventually. And Luongo played admirably all the way going up to the Cup Final. Played great in the first two games, and then he went to Boston, and the Boston Bruins shelled him. And then they came back. He played very good. The Canucks won one nothing in that game, um, and then he proceeded to uh, say, "Luongo, that's an easy save for me." Uh, talking about Maxim Lapierre's goal in game five, the game winner, where Tim Thomas overplayed it and Luongo kind of, you know, got back at uh, Thomas in the media. And then uh, the whole pump my tires uh, moniker started. And then the Canucks proceeded to get shelled again in game six and laid a goose egg in game seven in 2011. And then after that, um, it was all very interesting, the Luongo Schneider experience after that. So, Coming up after this final break, we're going to dive into that whole dynamic post-2011. But first, I want to talk to you guys about betonline.net. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball sports, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for 
all your sports wagering information, live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Of course, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Canucks your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. So after 2011, uh, Luongo came back in with Schneider. Uh, they kind of platooned a little bit. Uh, not really, I wouldn't say they platooned, but Luongo had hurt. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall that, oh, maybe we should start going with Corey Schneider. Um, and Schneider was definitely, um, you know, the Canucks won 2011 playoffs. Luongo started the first two games and played well, but they lost. Um, and that's where the change kind of happened. Elaine Vigneault, after that game three, put Corey Schneider in for the rest of the series in order to give the Canucks momentum. Canucks lost the next two out of three, would lose that series in five games. Um, and that's where the rumors started to kick in because in June of 2012, uh, Schneider signed a three-year $12 million contract, which, of course, uh, were unsuccessful because his contract was massive. Uh, in the lockout short in year 2020, 2012-2013, this was the last time that kind of core was together. Um, it was very interesting that year. That was a very, um, very interesting year, you know. Um, Luongo was, this is where we saw Luongo be the, his personality come out, the great, the funny, the dry humor, the wittiness, you know, calling the Canucks Corey's team. Uh, Vino said Corey was our MVP. That's why they got in the playoffs. Uh, although all the Canucks got waxed um, in the playoffs four straight, uh, it was kind of the end. You kind of thought after that year, okay, they're going to go with Luong, they're going to trade Luongo and stick with Schneider after that playoff loss against San Jose. Then they go to the draft. And then Gary Bettman's like, we have a trade to announce. And remember, the draft was in New Jersey. And Vancouver traded Corey Schneider. Kind of a bomb drop. That and remember, this was the year previous where the Canucks tried to trade Luongo, but he didn't get traded at the deadline, and he said my contract sucks. So it was well out there, well, well out there. The Canucks were going to trade Roberto Luongo. It was well known. There's a deal for him to go to Toronto in place and stuff like that. So it, they had jerseys, Luongo jerseys in Toronto made already. Um, it was well known that he was going to be traded. But you go to the draft and you trade Corey Schneider where Mike Gillis and Francesco Angelini had to fly down to Florida to try to, you know, ease the relationship with Roberto Luongo. And they traded Corey Schneider for the ninth overall pick, who would eventually become Bo Horvat. And we all know, looking in hindsight now, the Canucks won that trade hands down. Corey Schneider was never the same. Um, he had a couple good years in New Jersey, but he was never had that sustained success people thought he would have it like he was going to have, expected to have. So the Canucks won that trade. But going back, the whole Luongo situation... That's where the whole circus atmosphere came over this franchise after that whole Luongo trade situation where um, they kept him because they couldn't trade him because his contract sucked. So they traded Corey Schneider, and they go into that season. Of course, John Tortorella is the coach. Uh, Luongo begins to play, but then there's another thing. Eddie Lack starts playing well. Yes, Eddie playing well, starts playing more games. Um and this was the tilting point, the tilting point. Um, the Heritage Classic, the biggest indoor slash outdoor game in Vancouver history where uh, Luongo 
Tortorella starts Eddie Lack. And after that, it was done. It was over. Luongo was gone to Florida for Jacob Markstrom and a bunch of other stuff like Lucas Spiza. No, sorry. Not Lucas Spiza. Wrong trade. Excuse me. Luongo was gone to Florida and it's Jacob Markstrom. Um, and I believe it was a first. Excuse me. Let me pull the details here. So he was traded uh, for Jacob Markstrom. Sean Matthias. Yeah, how'd that work out? Um, and yeah, I mean, the Markstrom part kind of worked out, but yes, Luongo was gone after that. It was a very emotional moment for me. I cried. So, of course, as we look back at Luongo's career, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of turmoil, a lot of circus. But um, the way I would remember Roberto Luongo as one of the best characters in Canucks history, one of the greatest characters, uh, one of the greatest competitors, and the greatest goalie in Canucks history, he holds practically every important goalie stat record uh wins shutouts save percentage of goals against average, all of that led them to Stanley Cup finals won an Olympic gold medal in Vancouver for Canada um one of the greatest Canucks of all time it's as simple as that there is no doubt about it there's no doubt about my mind everybody that thinks that Kirk McLean is better no Roberto Luongo was a far superior goalie he's going to be in the Hall of Fame um and he was Hopefully, we'll go in as a Vancouver Cup. He will have his number one retired in Vancouver eventually, in my personal opinion. So, yes, Roberto Luongo, definitely a Pantheon great in Vancouver. Um, and I definitely, one of the greatest Canucks of all time. So, that's it for today. Coming up on Monday, we're going to finish off our Greatest Canucks series. A special Strictly Greatest Canuck episode on the two greatest Canucks of all time. I think you know who they are. Um, so I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Guys, take care. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>